That's beautiful. Thanks, that's gorgeous. Thanks. You may be seated. Anybody ever feel like that they're special? Does anyone ever feel like in your life, like, say when you were a kid, did anyone ever feel like they were like special, like there was something significant about their life that was maybe even different to other people? Anyone ever feel that? Put your hand up. Couple of people in your whole life. No one, you haven't felt special in your whole life. Is that what you're saying? Put your hand up if you've had a point where you felt like you were special. There was something special you were supposed to do on this earth. Thank you very much. Boy, I thought I was going to have to counsel you all then and have a counseling session instead of a preaching session. Well, I did. I, I thought I was special at various times in my life. I used to think, yeah, I'm special. I'm called to do something. I know I'm significant. I know there's something that I have to do on this earth, but I didn't quite know how to get to it. I didn't quite know how to touch it. I didn't quite know how to grasp it until I had an encounter with Jesus Christ in 1982. And when I looked into the eyes of Jesus, when I looked into the eyes of my Savior, I knew right then and there what my whole life was about, what that feeling was that I had inside me that I was born for a purpose and a reason and I wasn't just born to just hang around this world and then die and go home, but actually I was going to change the very world that I lived in by my life because I knew then as I looked into Jesus' eyes, as I had an encounter with him, that I was born for a reason. And you know, for a while I thought I was the only one. (laughs) I thought like, man, I'm special. Like, I must be just God's favorite or something. And then I realized that he kind of thought about that about everybody. I realized then that every person that I came into contact with that he would begin to show me their hearts and he'd begin to show me their lives and he'd begin to show me that they were the special ones for him, that they were his favorite as well and that they had significance and importance and they had a job to do on the earth and the most, the, the most specifically, they needed an encounter with him so that they would know what that was that they were supposed to do on the earth and then they needed ongoing encounters with God, like roadmaps, like signposts that would steer them in the right direction until they finished their work on earth. Is that right? Now, if we look at the Word of God, if we look at the Bible, we see that no one in the Bible did anything of significance before they had an encounter with God. It was always after they had an encounter with God. God doesn't call us to do significant things He doesn't send us into difficult places. He doesn't tell us to do things out of our comfort zone unless he gives us an encounter that sends us forth and commissions us. You see, because then any time you can turn around to the enemy when the enemy says, did God really say? Because that's usually what he says. Do you know he said that in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? And then you can just turn right around and say, yep, God said. I remember the day. I remember the moment. I remember the words. Just like when you were born again. You know, if you don't know the exact moment, day, time, even what the room smelt like when you were born again, you're probably not born again. Because it's an encounter with God. And then I knew from that encounter with God when I was born again, God set me up on a series of encounters 
that got me to this place right now. And only just last week, I had an encounter with God again for the next 10 years. You need it. I went down to this conference down in Sydney and I think I'm pretty passionate and fiery. I think I'm pretty in tune with God. I think I'm pretty close to God. And I sat in the first worship song and I thought, oh, I'm so dry. I'm so dry. I realized that I've been working so hard that I hadn't really taken really quality time to just soak soak up the presence of God. Just soak it up. Just soak it up. You know, and I wrote on my Facebook, you know, I went to a conference, spent heaps of time with God. It's amazing how much God says to you when you just be quiet and listen. <laughs> He's like, he just motor mouths. It's like... Wow! And I'm just writing down all the things he's saying to me because he was just waiting for me to just stop and just wait for long periods of time. Do you know what I mean? Like we had like three days or something. We were just in the presence of God, you know, just in the presence of God. There was extended worship and there were sessions where it was just just music and you just got to just, just be for a couple of hours and they just come out and quietly lay hands and you just like go away I'm with God it's like I don't even need that this is so cool and so we need encounters with God is that right and we need constant encounters with God you know one's not enough you cannot live on yesterday's manner it has to be fresh today and we see this in the word of God particularly I want to show you this man called Saul in the New Testament in Acts 9.1, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn to it because it's so dark in here, but I'll read it to you. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Doesn't sound like the kind of guy for an encounter with God, does it? He's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters. And he just wants to cause all these problems and stuff like that. And then so, and he's on the way to Damascus because he wants to get these letters to put these people in prison and whatever. And he needs Damascus on his journey and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. This is after Jesus is resurrected, of course. Now get up and go into the city and do what I tell you to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and could not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, there's a man that has had an encounter with me. This is basically my, my story. And, and he, he needs his eyes opened. He needs to understand what's happened to him. And so he said to him, go to him. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And there's a man that's going to come there. And I want you to lay hands on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's doing. Da, 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 da. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument. And I want to say that to you tonight. This man, this woman, this young person, this child 
is my chosen instrument, amen, to carry my name, to carry my name. You know, the same thing happened with Mary. Here's Mary, just a little 13-year-old child. And the, and the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, Mary, you are going to carry the child. You're going to carry the promise within you. And there's many of you right now who, like Mary, are going to have encounters with God over the next few weeks. And the angel of the Lord is going to say to you, will you carry the promise? Will you carry the name? Will you carry the name of Jesus and will you take it out as a disciple of mine to the nations? Will you make a difference? And Mary said to the angel, let it be done to me according to your will. Let it be done to me. Amen. And this is the same thing that's happening here. And it says, I will show him how much that he's going to suffer in my name. And Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hand on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now many of you would know that Paul, it's spoken of Paul that Paul turned the known world upside down. He went from one that was persecuting Christians to one of the greatest writers of the New Testament. He would go into cities and he would speak of Jesus He offered up his life to be killed for the name of Jesus Christ. He became the most radical disciple. In fact, aside from Jesus, he's probably the most popular biblical character of today. Paul. Because why? Because he had an encounter with God. And sometimes there's things like scales on our eyes. And sometimes there's things over our ears that we can't hear. And there's things over our heart, things that have happened hardness of our heart that's happened and God's trying to get in and God's trying to get in and we're doing the best we can we're out there doing what we can do in the name of religion amen and coming up to the meetings and turning up and doing the stuff but there has to come a day when the scales fall off there has to come another encounter there has to come another touch from God why this is the title of my message we owe it to the world to have an encounter with God We owe it to them. You might have enough of God for you right now. But when I look out in the streets and I see the faces of people, when I see the suffering in the world, when I see the earthquakes, when I see the wars and rumors of wars, when I see the starving children, I say, oh God, I owe it to them to have an encounter with you that I might carry something that makes a difference. And if every Christian just laid their lives on the line and said, you know, who cares about my comfort? Who cares about my stuff? God, I just want to find you and get something on me for them. Amen? See, he is in me. God, Jesus Christ, is in me for my sake. You see? But he comes upon me for your sake. You see? And Jesus is in you for your sake. But you need him to come upon you for their sake. For the multitudes in the Valley of Decision, the multitudes that are deciding whether they're going to come to Easter service, 
wondering what this God thing is all about. And you need more than a brochure when you walk up to people and say, do you want to come to Easter? You need something on you. You need something on you like a light that penetrates their darkness and the scales fall off their eyes and they say, of course I want to come. Wild horses wouldn't hold me back. This is what I've been searching for. I see it in you. I see that you're carrying something on you. Amen. Peter was another disciple of Jesus who had several encounters. And you know, we know the story of Peter that he would actually, when he went to walk down the street, they noticed that as his shadow passed people, they would get healed. Because he, had, he was carrying so much. You know, there was so much of God upon him that actually his shadow had the anointing and the power of God on it. He didn't even have to lay hands on people. So they worked out when he was going to go to synagogue and, and what time it was, and they would just line up the people down each side of the street, all the sick, positioned so that the shadow and the sun and everything, and Peter would just walk down there and then bang, 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 people getting healed. You see? Because he carried something. And you go, oh, well, that's Peter. Well, the only reason Peter could carry something like that is because he spent so much time in God's presence. Because he committed his life for something different. There's no reason why anyone in this room couldn't have the same anointing. There's no special one, see? We're all special. Amen. We're all special. We all have the same connection to heaven through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. The same Holy Spirit is upon me that is upon you. And Jesus said, greater work shall you do than I have done, for I go to be with the Father. And I was thinking about Peter and his shadow. And Bill Johnson said this amazing statement. Master of one-liners. He says, a one-liner, and you just go, and you just sit on it for a little while. It's just, and then you just got to write a book on one line. It's just like, but he said this statement, your shadow will always give off whatever you are overshadowed with. Wow. Seal up. Pause and think on that for a minute. What are you overshadowed with? Stress, bills, work, marital problems, scrappy kids, teenagers, messy house, broken down car, got a job, haven't got a job. What am I overshadowed with? What's overshadowing me? If I walk through the streets, that's what's going to touch people around me. That's what's going to penetrate people around me. So what do I do? Like David, I get in the presence of God. I put a CD on and I worship till that shadow gets off of me. Until I'm overshadowed again by the Holy Spirit. You see? Like David, I go before God and say, God, cut out their eyes. No, I don't. <laughs> Smite them, cut their tongues out. Oh, I'd love to be able to do stuff like that. But anyway, I don't think that badly of anybody to do that. But anyway, David had a few really bad people after him. 
but I don't have. I've got good people around my life. But I get in God's presence and I give God my stuff every day, every day. And I get overshadowed again by the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you host the presence, there is a carrying of the glory. When you are a resting place for the Spirit of God, he will trust you to impart him. Amen? And Pastor Phil spoke about this morning. Bill Johnson said, you know, think about the dove ascending. The dove ascending upon Jesus at his baptism and ascended and rested on his shoulder. Huh? Oh, descent. Yeah, coming down. Must be a female day. Anyway. And see, Jesus knew how to be a resting place for the Holy Spirit. And Bill Johnson said this, he said, how do you host the Holy Spirit? He said, the same way you would walk around with a dove on your shoulder. You would be constantly aware that that dove was on your shoulder. And you certainly wouldn't take that dove into some of the places that you would go. Amen? And you would be careful of what you listen to and what you watched because, you know, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so you have an impartation through the glory of God. And there's three things in the earth. There's sin, there's torment, and there's disease. There were the three things that Jesus gave us authority over, sin, torment, and disease. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so if you look at sin, you can bring righteousness. If you look, if you look at torment, you can bring peace. If you look at disease, you can bring joy and liberation. Amen? You have the kingdom of God inside of you. And whenever you come into an atmosphere, if you have been in the presence of the living God, you've had an encounter with God on a regular basis, when you walk into the room, the atmosphere will change. And sin suddenly bows its knee and repentance comes. You know what I'm saying? Diseases will bow their knee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? You know, see, God is in heaven, right? And he is looking upon the earth. And, and, and he sees us. We have the kingdom of God economy around us. I have the kingdom of God around me wherever I go. And God is saying to me, whatever is outside of that realm that's around you, I want you to get it as a franchise and bring it in. And bring it into this realm of the kingdom. God wants to franchise anything that's outside of the realm of the kingdom of God and bring it in. He can't stand that sinners are walking through the streets, that people are broken, that they're tormented by demons, that they're tormented by disease. And yet we walk with the kingdom of God right next to them in the shopping center and we never bring them into the realm that they need to get healing because we're so caught up with our own stuff that we can't even hear when God says, Oi. Well, I don't think God says oi, but he says oi to me anyway, because I'm an Aussie and I understand oi and that. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. See, things are starting to happen. In, you know, we don't hear about it in Australia a lot. That's why it's good to go to conference and you just go, Wow, man, this is so cool. 
You know, and over in Bethel Church, where Bill Johnson comes from, they're years now. They're, they actually are preached to their people, get up, you have the anointing, go out, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. You got it. Go do it. And so they've got this whole church that just goes, does it now. And they're mobilized and they're released and they're trusted. Amen. Trusted to do the work of the ministry. You're all supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. This isn't ministry. This is me telling you to go do it. Amen. I'm not ministry. I'm just an exhorter of you who's supposed to be doing the ministry. It's here. It's in 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 there. Amen. It's in there. You've got to get it out. You've got to get it out. You've got to have an encounter with God. Get it out. Amen. And so they're they're having so many healings right now that they they actually have got a full-time scribe to write down the healings and like she's full-time and she can't keep up with the healing so they just say okay just write down the miracles from now on that's like if somebody grows a body part or you know like miracles not just we can't write down the healings anymore healings to them like cancer just like a headache now so like we've got too many cancers being here we can't even write it down anymore so yeah if someone grows a leg or something let us know and that will be good and they do have a lot of that stuff going on and so this guy from Byron Bay this crazy hippie guy this crazy Aussie hippie guy with a ponytail He's got a church in Byron Bay called Something Tribe. Anyway, new tribe, new tribe in the middle of Byron Bay, which is totally new age, right? And so he says, well, I reckon I can do this stuff. So he starts to set up booths in the New Age Festival, and he's got these booths set up, and he's got one called um, Destiny Readings. Yeah, and he's got another one called Physical Healing. Yeah, and he's got all these other ones. And so people go there and they have these rooms and the booths where you can go in and they pray for the sick. They prophesy over people's lives. People get healed, saved, delivered. It's amazing. But not just that. He's been doing it for about four years. And this year they came to him and said, look, it's just been so good what you're doing at this New Age Festival that we want to give you three 90-minute spots on the main stage with the whole crowd and you can do what you want. And so, you know, he preaches a straight gospel and he lays hands on it. It's the Holy Spirit power stuff and no seeker-sensitive stuff here. This guy's crazy, radical ponytail guy. And so he gets up and in his 90-minute sessions, he preaches the gospel and then he starts to say, there's a woman at the back and his wife did this just recently. Sylvia, you're at the back and you've got cancer in your right breast. And she stands up and she said, it's in my left. And she said, oh, well, uh, we can still pray for the right. And she said, no, it's in my right. I was only having a go at you. And then she got healed of cancer right there and then. Now, right now, to date, they have an average, an average of 400 miraculous healings at every festival in Byron Bay, Australia. It's happening. So you've got to position yourself for an encounter. Number one, acknowledge your need, like I did when I was down at the conference. I'm so dry, God, help me. You know, it's okay to go. I felt like that weak. No, you guys wouldn't know that. Bill and Ben, the flower pot men, and nah. And weak. Yes, somebody knows. Somebody knows. You've got to acknowledge your need. The awareness of deep personal need is also the setting where extraordinary faith. When we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. 
You know, when you say, God, I really do want an encounter with you. I really want to do something significant with my life. God will meet you there. You just mention it. He's like that. He's there. Amen. And, um, and then you've got to, number two, recognize your hunger. Hunger for God is one of the greatest signs in the life of a person that reveals an inner awareness of an existence greater than their own lives, a destiny and a personal fulfillment. Look, we can get so satisfied with where we're at, but if you will acknowledge that there's a hunger deep inside each one of us for more, there's a hunger for more, why? Because we're not seeing what we need to see in the earth today yet. As long as there are lost people in this world, as long as there are people dying of diseases that we have no cure for yet, as long as there are children that are starving, we haven't got enough yet. And so, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm hungry for an encounter with you. Number three, love him. John 14, 21 says, He loves me, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. You know, when you come to him, you just go, you don't have to be a theologian, for goodness sakes. You know, you can just come to God and just, gee, I love you. Gee, I love you. Wow. Oh, and you know what else? Like, I just totally love you. I'm passionately in love with you. You know? And he will manifest himself to you. Number four, worship him. Until the glory comes. Like, don't sing one song and go, oh, well, God didn't show. Do you know what? Press in. Put a CD on and listen to the whole thing. And wait. And when I say wait till the glory comes, you know there's a feeling about the glory. And the glory is the weight of God's presence. It's the Shekinah presence of God, the glory of God. And you know when it comes because you feel a weight come on you. You can feel it. It's like, oh, God's here. And you know, if you worship till you get that weight on you and then just wait in that place where it just feels like you're in a bubble, just feels like you're in a bubble of God's presence and wait there, he will reveal something to you of profoundness about your personal life and your personal destiny. Amen? Number five, make space. Change your lifestyle to accommodate this new depth of relationship and don't fall back into old routines. You know, once you don't just go to God and say, God, I'm going I'm to go for you, I'm going to go for you till I get an encounter and then just go back to the quick prayer over breakfast running out the door thing and think God's going to just keep, you know, keep on you. You have to keep in a relationship with him. Amen? And if you're serious about this stuff, honestly, it's just so powerful. It's so powerful. Heidi Baker is a woman that I really respect in the world today, and she is a, a missionary, now lives in Mozambique in Africa, She's called there from a very affluent lifestyle, very rich parents in the United States, saw the suffering and couldn't stand it and went over to have a look and saw these children that were just abandoned because of war 
orphan children that were living in these ruins with no food or anything. And her and her husband looked at each other and said, this is what God's called us to do. And they began to make a refuge for these children. And then God kept speaking to her about planting churches. And she was over then. So this is her encounter of an encounter with God. Heidi and Roland Baker are personal heroes, as they are for most everyone who knows them. Born into affluence, Heidi has spent her life with the poor, but it was the unusual encounter with God that enabled her to ignite the transformation of a nation through signs and wonders. Although they had been laboring as missionaries in Mozambique for 17 years, they had seen only marginal progress. They longed for, in Heidi's words, uh, Roland, she says, Roland and I loved the manifest presence of God that we loved to be in wherever was the outpouring of his spirit. They made several trips to Toronto, da-da-da-da, and then at this particular trip, this is what happened to Heidi. He pointed to me and said, God is asking, do you want Mozambique? I experienced the heavenly fire of God falling on me. I was so hot that I literally thought I was going to burn up and die. I remember crying out, Lord, I'm dying. I heard the Lord clearly speak to my heart, good, I want you dead. He meant spiritually, spiritually dead. I, he wanted me completely emptied of myself so he could pour even more of his spirit into my life. For seven days, I was unable to move. Roland had to pick me up and carry me. I had to be carried to the washroom, to the hotel and back to the meeting. The weight of his glory was upon me and I felt so heavy, I couldn't even lift my head. Some passing by thought it was funny to see someone stuck to the floor for so long. If I were put a chair, if they, if they were to put me in a chair, I would just slide off it on the floor again, and I was utterly and completely helpless. I was unable to speak for most of the seven days. The holy, fearful, awesome presence of God completely changed my life. I've never been so humbled never felt so poor, so helpless, and so vulnerable. I even needed help to drink water. There was nothing funny about it. It was a most holy time. I learned more in those seven days than in the 10 years of academic theological study that I had had. The Lord spoke to me about relinquishing control to him, and he showed me the importance of the body of Christ. It had taken us 17 years to plant four churches, and two of them were pretty weak. And as I lay there engulfed in his presence, he spoke to me about hundreds of churches being planted in Mozambique. I remember laughing hysterically, thinking I would have to live to be 200 years old before that promise got fulfilled. And she says, it says here that after that encounter with God, she went back to Mozambique and it was just like God just began to do. God began to move and it says, the encounter that Heidi had with God has been imparted to the leadership core, and the same basic encounter that she had was released over the whole team. As a result of this outpouring on their leadership base of 14 people, they have been approximately 1 million conversions to Christ. Over 6,000 orphans are fed daily, sometimes even through the multiplication and miraculous provision of food. And I've, I've seen these videos. I've seen them. She hands out empty bowls to thousands of starving children and the bowls just fill with food miraculously God provides. This is from one encounter with God, people. One encounter with God. It says, whereas it took them 17 years, 
to plant four churches before Heidi's encounter with God's face. They have planted over 6,000 churches in the eight years since. And as of the writing of this book, there have been over 80 people raised from the dead. The blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk with regularity. Entire Muslim villages come to Christ because of new miracles. This is one of the greatest missionary stories of all history, and it continues to happen right now, all because of the quest for the face of God. Yeah. What is it going to take to break this place open? It's going to take an encounter with God for individual people who think that you're a nobody, that you can do nothing. You know, just like Neil was going, I don't even know if I can paint that picture. I've never done anything like this before. But we're saying, Neil, you can do this. In the power of God's might, you can do this. And we can all step up a level. We can all come up a level. If we would just encounter the very face of God and see him face to face. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord, come. Come, Lord, come. Will you just put that track on for me? And I just want for one song, I want you to seek God.